You're listening to The Trinity Podcast. We are a multi-site church in the Chicago area whose mission is to help you look, live, and love more like Jesus. This week's story is a beautiful one because of how simply it answers what many believe to be a complex question. What starts with the physical healing of one man's sight leads to an intense interrogation and reveals the spiritual blindness we all can struggle with. This truly strange encounter with Jesus that results in him getting a man kicked out of church can be found in John chapter 9. Our teaching pastor this week is Nick Price. So I want to begin this week's message with a confession. When I was younger, I really wasn't that good at taking care of my teeth. Yeah, I brushed, but it was maybe once a day. It usually wasn't for as long as it probably should have been. And this continued for many years until I got my first cavity. That's when everything changed. I remember sitting in the dentist's chair and he said, you've got a cavity, we're going to have to fill it. And going through that difficult process of, you know, getting the Novocaine and having them drill out the tooth and fill it in and then the recovery that comes afterward. But what made it worse was that after I got out of the dentist's chair and was heading home, my face was so numb that I inadvertently bit a big chunk out of the inside of my lip so that when the pain medication wore off, it wasn't just the ache in my tooth that I had, but now my whole face hurt and my mouth hurt. And it led to a much longer recovery process because now I wasn't just dealing with a, a bad tooth. I was dealing with one of the worst canker sores you could ever have in your entire life. And it was in that moment that I really started to take a good care of my teeth, that I started to brush every day and use floss and mouthwash and so on and so forth. Now, here's what's interesting about that story. It's not that I didn't know about caring for our teeth. I mean, my parents had been telling me to brush my teeth ever since I was a real little kid. My dentist had told me I should take care of my teeth. Teachers told me I should take care of my teeth. But it wasn't until I had this experience that I really understood, that I really began to see what the importance of caring for my teeth was. It wasn't a lack of knowledge. It was more a deeper kind of insight that was required, one that came through experience. And the reason I tell this story is because in our passage for this weekend, we encounter somebody who gains sight, not just physical sight, but deeper spiritual sight. And it raises a question about what does it mean not just to understand something, but to truly see it. Specifically, in our passage for this weekend, Jesus teaches us two things. He teaches us about the nature of spiritual blindness and the gift of spiritual sight. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open up with me to John chapter 9. Here's what we encounter when we read the story. Jesus and his disciples are walking along when they encounter a man who has been born blind. And right off the bat, we're confronted not just with physical blindness, but with spiritual blindness. We see it in the question that the disciples ask Jesus. Upon seeing the man, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And what's really interesting is how Jesus responds. He actually rejects the entire premise of their question. He says, it's not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You see, their question, the very way in which it's phrased, reveals their spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness is the inability to see the truth about sin and our desperate need for grace. 
You see, there was this idea that the disciples had that bad things happened to bad people and good things happened to good people. That if you received difficult circumstances or ailments in this life or you found yourself suddenly broke and in poverty, it must have been because you did something wrong to make God angry. And likewise, if you were blessed and well off, it meant that God was pleased with you and was rewarding you in this life for your righteousness. This was a very common idea in the ancient world, not just in the Jewish community, but also in the wider pagan community. Good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. And Jesus rejects that entire notion as spiritually blind, and, and there's many reasons why. I mean, first and foremost, such an idea doesn't actually make sense of our world. I mean, if you stop and think about it, there are many wicked people who die in the comfort of their own beds in their old age, surrounded by all the comforts that this world could afford them. Likewise, there are many seemingly good people who are generous and humble and caring and loving who go through some of life's worst disasters and hardest circumstances. This idea that good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people just doesn't make sense of our world. Secondly, it often leads to arrogance on the part of those who are doing well in life. They start to say things, well, I'm doing well, God must love me, I must have earned these things and be blessed, and there's this kind of self-righteousness that comes out. And Likewise, judgment against others who are going through hard and difficult times. There's this bias to assume that they must have done something wrong. Jesus says neither of these things is true that really what sin is, is it's a reality that we all live under and it affects everybody. It's what explains the brokenness of our world and the fact that it doesn't work according to the ways God designed it to work. And, and Jesus rejects it as a form of spiritual blindness. But it's not just something the disciples themselves wrestle with. It's actually something that the Pharisees in this story wrestle with as well. See, Jesus goes on to heal the man of his blindness, and immediately the crowds take this man to the Pharisees, and they ask them, how do we explain this miracle? And what's so surprising is that you see the open hostility that the Pharisees have to Jesus. In fact, it gets to a point where they actually threaten to throw anyone out of the synagogue who confesses that Jesus is the Savior, is the Messiah. They actually can't make sense of this miracle, and they can't make sense of Jesus' identity. And what's really interesting is that it's because of their wisdom that they can't figure this out. You see, Jesus came not to just heal this man's physical blindness, but actually to reveal things about spiritual blindness. And specifically, he says two shocking things about it when he's talking with the Pharisees. We find these at the end of the story. The first thing that Jesus says is that he comes to reveal who the spiritually blind are, and it's not who we typically think. Here's what he says. He says, for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. What Jesus is saying is he's saying the ones who should see most clearly are the very ones who reveal themselves to be the most blind. I love how Pastor Tim Keller breaks this down as he's thinking about this specific phrase. He says, this means that the people who are saved are not necessarily the good people, but the ones who admit that they're not good and that they need a savior. And the people who are lost are not necessarily the bad people, but the proud people. 
Therefore, the more brilliant you are, the more successful you are, the greater disadvantage you're at. It's not nearly as difficult, humanly speaking, for a person who has failed or fallen to admit their need. But it's the Pharisee. It's the successful person. It's the brilliant person. It's so much harder for a brilliant person to admit that I am blind. And that's exactly the issue that Jesus has here. He reveals that it's actually the Pharisees, the ones who should know better, are the ones who have the deepest need. And that gets to the second thing that Jesus says about spiritual blindness. He actually provides us with a blindness test. Pharisees, upon hearing this, ask him, so are we blind too? And Jesus responds, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. He's saying this, if you think that you've got God, life, and your own goodness all figured out, you're probably more blind than you realize. You're actually blind to your own blindness. You refuse to see just how deep your need goes. And and true spiritual sight always involves not just seeing what we do, but why we do it. It digs down to the level of our deeper motivations. And oftentimes when those are revealed, what we see is just how deep the darkness really goes. One of the things that I find so interesting is how it's the most insightful people in this world seem to be the ones who are most intimately aware of their need. I think of people that we put on spiritual pedestals like Martin Luther or St. Augustine or the Apostle Paul, people that we would call spiritual giants, and yet they knew perhaps better than anybody that oftentimes they did good things for the, more for the praise of people than for honoring God. They were deeply aware that oftentimes we can do good things for the wrong reasons. And that's exactly what's going on with the Pharisees. This is the test that Jesus puts before them. It comes back to the question of why do you do what you do? If it's for your own benefit and your own glory, then you need Jesus far more than you think. And that's just what the Pharisees couldn't stomach. You see, they were like me with my teeth. They knew a lot about God, but they didn't really see him for who he is. Their knowledge had blinded them to their own need. And and the same can be true for us as religious types. We can think that we've got God all figured out and, and we start to miss just how desperately we need him. We think that our standing before God is based on our own goodness. We say things like, I go to church and I go to small group and I serve and I pray and we fail to see that. If we're doing that for our own glory, we've missed the whole point. The reality is, is you don't even have to be spiritual to do this. We hear it in the ways in which we think that our standing before God is based on our achievement. When we say things like, well, I'm not really all that bad. I'm a fairly good person. But if we really are honest, there are times when we move that bar around quite a bit. When we're caught in a lie, oh, it wasn't all that bad. It was just a little white lie. Oh yeah, I may have cheated that person, but it's not like I swindled a million dollars. You know, we're constantly shifting it around. It just shows that we don't see just how desperately we need God's grace. No wonder the Pharisees throw this man out of the synagogue and reject Jesus. He doesn't fit into their paradigm. They believed that God, that they had God and his ways all figured out that God rewards good people and punishes bad people. And they balked at Jesus' assertion that actually everybody falls short of God's grace. Everybody needs him desperately in their lives. They were angered that God would welcome anyone, not just the insiders, but even those that they had deemed outcasts. 
See, Jesus didn't fit their broken paradigm of God and the world. They were blind to the sin in their own lives and they were blind to their own need for God's grace. But then, then we get to this man, this man who'd been healed by Jesus and we suddenly learn about the gift of spiritual sight. One of the things that's so cool to note is the progression in the man's story. That every time he's asked to tell people what happened to him and who did it, what we start to see is is he learns a little bit more about Jesus. It's almost like his physical sight is matched by his spiritual insight. At first they say, who did this? He's like, I don't know, this guy, Jesus. And they're like, where is he? Where did he come from? He's like, not sure. But then as he thinks about it and they ask him again, he's like, well, I think that he's a prophet. And then as they ask him again, he's just like, well, it's obvious that he was sent by God. And, and finally, when he comes face to face with Jesus, Jesus says, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? He's so open. And Jesus says, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. He goes from not knowing Jesus at all to receiving Jesus as his Lord and as his savior. And what's so beautiful about his story is why. Every time he tells it, there's one thing that's really consistent. I was blind, but now I see. He doesn't say that it was because he was a fairly good person that he'd earned it. He doesn't say that it's because he cleaned up his act and now God had mercy on him. He's like, no, I was totally lost, couldn't see a thing. And suddenly this man came into my life and he changed everything. It's so simple because he, all he really needs to know is who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for him. Now, sometimes people ask me, what is it? take to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a follower of God? Is it about rules that we keep? Is it about things that we do? And the simple answer in this story is no, it really all comes down to who do you say Jesus is and do you know what he's done for you? He worships Jesus because Jesus is the one who alone could cure him of his blindness. It's the one who gives him grace, even though he didn't deserve it. The one who sought him out and saved him. That's true spiritual sight. We see the depth of our need and we see the one who came to satisfy it. Jesus tells his disciples, this is why I came. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. What Jesus says is he says, this is why I came to bring sight to your blindness by entering the darkness to bring you light. It's so amazing to note the great reversal that happens at the climax of Jesus' earthly ministry. When he's been renounced and cast out as a criminal and as a heretic, when he's nailed to a cross and executed, we, we read that darkness comes or descends over the face of the whole earth from, from the moment that he's nailed to the cross to the moment that he dies. But then on the day that he's resurrected and he walks out of the tomb, it's not surprisingly when the sun comes up on Easter morning, light once again. Jesus leaves the light of heaven, enters into the darkness to take our darkness and give us light. He takes the death we deserve and instead gives us life. And, and he does this because we need it, not because we've earned it. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the thing that, that the Pharisees didn't see, but that was ultimately revealed to this man. And that's what it means to truly know God is to recognize that he's the one who came to give us which, that which we couldn't earn to help us see when we were blind. It's the eyes of faith that can sing with the great hymn writer, amazing grace, 
how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks for the ways in which in the midst of our darkness, you bring light. In the face of our blindness, you bring sight. In the face of death and, and brokenness, you bring life and wholeness. Lord, forgive us for the ways in which we've touted our own credentials and then not seen you for who you are. In which we've judged ourselves and others on the basis of what we've done or uh, of what we've done or what we know and failed to see our desperate need and what you've already provided. Help us to be the kind of people who come to you in our need and receive your grace. Touch our blind eyes. Bring light to our darkened souls. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Trinity Podcast. We hope this week's message encouraged you to consider the claims of Jesus in a new way. And we would love to have you join us for worship on the weekend. To find a location near you, visit www.tlc4u.org.